to talk to a demonologist or a paranormal investigator? Well, today we have both in the same guest. Today's spooky special guest is James Anito, and without further ado, here is episode 5. So, welcome to episode 5, Lynn. Hello! Excited to be back. We took a short break from our hostess responsibilities last week. Um, since our interview was so jam-packed full of stuff, I didn't really want to make the episode two hours long. Um, so what have you been up to since episode three? I have been writing my butt off. I am so close to being done with the next book. I'm so excited. And what's it about? I don't know if I want to tell yet. We can't even give us a little teaser. A romance. Well, well, we know that part. (laughs) If there wasn't romance in your book, I'd be scared. Yeah, imagine a romance. Um, okay, I'll tell you this. It's a dystopian fantasy romance. Ooh, interesting. That's a little different than the things I've been writing before, and I'm having so much fun writing it. I'm, like, obsessed with these characters. Well, that's good, and still valid for our podcast, so hopefully we'll be hearing yes. some more updates from you. Well, we'll see some new creatures in these books, too. Ooh. The other ones that I write, yeah. I like new creatures. Right? <laughs> So can you believe it's episode five already? Time is flying. I've always been told the older you get, the faster time flies. They weren't kidding. Well, we got a really exciting show today, but I wanted to remind listeners that we have a contest going on. Um, it don't. We haven't gotten any responses to it yet. Uh, there was an advertisement for it in the last episode, but we haven't gotten any responses, so it's still open. Um, you can win cop- ebook copies of both Lynn's, both of Lynn's Shifter Council Executioner series. I can't talk today. <laughs> uh, as well as my ebook, Two Fangs Don't Make a Fight. And it's an easy contest to enter. All you have to do is email us the email address in the show notes and tell me what sci-fi show I referenced at the beginning of episode three and what phrase was it that I used. Now, when I say the beginning of episode three, I mean before even the theme song. There was a little snippet at the beginning that I mentioned something, and I referenced a sci-fi show. Um, The winner will be randomly chosen by anybody who answers it correctly and announced next week. I can tell you I've read two things, Don't Make a Fight, and I'm obsessed with it. And I can also tell you that book two in the Shifter Council Executioner series might just have been a bestseller last week, Jen. Yes, I was very excited Yay! to see that. Oh, I was so excited. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who who's going to get a copy of these. So what else have you been up to? That's it. Working and, and writing and working and writing. And I did go out with my husband Saturday for dinner, so that was something nice. Mm-hmm. Did you watch, we don't tend to go out much. Watch anything supernaturally lately? We have been watching the Vikings or Vikings. I'm not sure what it's called. I came across Vikings Valhalla. And I was like, oh, that looks good. And then come to find out there was a whole series before that. I have not seen that. <clears throat> Is it just like just about Vikings in general? Vikings. Yeah, Vikings. And it's I'm so obsessed with it. It's it's violent and they fight and they, you know, hoard and they, they go on these like rampages and, and steal. And I just I love the whole concept of the Vikings, you know, hmm. interesting. And the Christians hate the Vikings and the Vikings hate the Christians. And it's really good. I have two nights in a row, though. I fell asleep watching it because I've been so tired lately. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how many people out there that listen to this write books, but when you work, you write every second you get. So I go to work and I come home and I write and I go to bed and I get up and I write and I go to work. I come home, I write, I 
could have been. Repeat and re- rinse and repeat. <laughs> well, that's good because yeah, your editor's getting impatient. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm over halfway done with this next one. Yay, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So. My interesting thing that I did recently was I saw the new Batman movie. I've been dying to see that. How was it? It was good. Um, I will warn people that it is in no way an origin story. So if you don't know the details of Batman, you're going to be lost and most likely bored. Well, if you don't know who Batman is by now. Well, you need to... I mean, you can know who he is, but you need to know more than that. Because in the... I don't want to give... Uh, spoilers, but in the movie, he's already connected with the police. There's, you know, he's already in the thick of things. There's, it's a no way an origin story. Um, I also felt like they didn't really highlight his abilities very well. Um, <laughs> he only had like one or two cool gadgets, and he could see in the dark, and he was a good detective. That was the only things that they what? touched on. And it was a three-hour movie, and oh, they, hell. <laughs> yeah. No. And, it did not need to be a three-hour movie. That it really needed to have some editing done to it. But um, I think the way that they made it, it was a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but I think the way they made it, it would have been better as a TV show. Really? Yeah, the pacing was just not right for a movie. But as a TV show, I think it would have been good because there was several places in the movie where it felt like it was the end of an episode and, like, you know, that kind of cliffhanger feel yeah, where you want to yeah. keep binging it. How um, did our Pats do? I actually enjoyed him as Batman. I, He's a good actor. He is a good actor. I can see why some people said that they didn't like him, but I also felt he kind of got the short end of the stick because the when i walked out of the movie what i felt was it was more of a police procedural than it was any kind of like superhero-y vigilante movie um it you know it had fighting and everything in it but it just felt more like a detective show than anything um, well you know i'm a marvel girl dc i don't know what they need to do to catch up maybe take some notes from what marvel's doing but i the last the last few DC movies I've seen, I was not impressed. I enjoy both, but I've discovered that I enjoy DC better as TV shows because, like, I watched Flash and Arrow, and I loved those. But if those had been movies, I'm not sure I would have liked them as much. Right. And they are coming yeah, out just... with a Flash movie, so I'm, I'm a little on the fence about that. Well, each of them have to have their own movie, just you know, Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Yeah. I liked the first Wonder Woman a lot. Aquaman... I enjoyed because Jason Momoa was in it, so... <laughs> you can see that's part of the reason I haven't watched it yet, but we won't go there. Um, I know that they each have to have their movie, but after watching Flash as a TV show and that actor and everything, I kind of, like, it, am I going to hate it because it's different and it's not the same actor? And I will say the kid that's playing the Flash, he's doing a good job. He is doing a good job. But I just... Each, I kind of, you know what, you, you said it best. Each of these that I've seen would have been better as TV shows. Justice League, you know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't seen the new Wonder Woman yet, though. I don't know what it is about DC, but it's just better as TV shows. I mean, Marvel, I don't, I mean, I enjoyed, like, um, Hawkeye and all that on Disney+, Plus, but I just don't feel like, like, the Avengers themselves would have been good as TV shows. I will fight you. I will fight you. 
like literally fisticuffs over the Avengers. They could literally make a TV show about them grocery shopping, and I'm going to watch it. Well, it's not to say I wouldn't watch it if it was a TV show. I just don't feel like what we got in the movies would have translated well to a TV show. Are they supposed to be finishing Hawkeye anytime soon? Well, they finished. That's the first season. Was that's what we got. That's it. That's um, it. We okay. haven't gotten news about a season two yet, but we'll see. Man. Um, I tried watching. Um, what were they called? The Eternals. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't touched that one yet. We'll see. I, tu- I turned it off halfway through. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> no, you know. Again, I'm hardcore Marvel. I was bored. Oof. I was so bored. Well, you know, I haven't seen it, but based on the trailer, I felt like it was just kind of Avengers on a budget. <laughs> That's, you know what? Wish.com Avengers. There you go. Yeah. So, um, a couple of other notes about Robert Pattinson and Batman. Um, I did feel like while he was good in the movie, that the name Bruce just does not work for his look. He just didn't, he didn't convince me that his name was Bruce. Um, and a couple people have been mentioning that he was good as Batman, not so good as Bruce, which I understand, but I also feel like he didn't have enough screen time as Bruce. I mean, for 90% of the movie, he was in the suit. From the previews I saw, he looked so broody as Bruce, whereas the other Bruce has always been, you know, faux, arrogant, and pompous. This one looks like he's, like somebody killed his dog. Well, yeah, he, he is, but there's also some things in there that kind of lighten him up a little, which I don't want to say specifically because that's a huge spoiler, but... Yeah, okay. Um, so, I f- and based on how the movie ended and what we saw um, after the credits, I want to say there might be another movie coming, so hopefully they're a little bit more careful with the plot and the editing of that one because like even the cgi yeah even the cgi though was it was not smooth at all i mean every time he was in a fight scene he looked like a rag doll being thrown around (laughs) so uh, honestly (laughs) honestly i don't think robert pattinson got a, a fair enough chance to play batman because the movie itself just was not executed correctly but since we're on the topic of batman i have a question for you do you think Batman can be considered a supernatural being? No. I knew you were going to say that. No. So He is a billionaire that has lots of cool inventions. Okay, but, and this is, none of this is based on the new movie, but Batman as a character is not flat out human. I mean, he may not have, you know, superpowers necessarily, although he does tolerate quite a lot of pain and is quite strong. Um, but he, you know, he speaks a whole bunch of different languages. He, in one comic, at least, I don't know if there was more than one, but he was able to resist mind control. You know, he has all sorts of different kind of fighting skills. He has a photographic memory. He's definitely not flat out human, in my opinion. Do you think uh, Iron Man is a supernatural being? See, now I was going to bring that up to you as well. In a way, I can see why people would say no, because he's kind of like Batman, where he has all these he fancy does. gadgets. But Iron Man also has an artificial heart. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. But he's still, I would say maybe they're superhuman, because there are people that speak dozens of languages, and they're not susceptible to being, you know, conned by other people. And Sheldon from Big Bang, uh, 
theory has, you know, a photographic memory, sorry, eidetic memory. <laughs> Those are human traits. Supernatural, you have to be magic or be from a different, you know, um, planet or, you know, that's not, no, that's not supernatural. Nope. Okay. He's just a billionaire, uh, genius philanthropist that's what Iron Man. okay is. we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree then because <laughs> I, I i don't know <laughs> i mean yeah i guess superhuman might be the right word but in yeah, my opinion superhuman human. still is supernatural because they're different than the norm and that's what supernatural is yeah see i think a supernatural is not human now if we're not talking about batman the character but just batman's story in general I think we could be a little bit more loose with the interpretation because there are some comics out there and I don't know about there might be some actual cartoons and stuff but I haven't watched the cartoons where he does fight supernatural beings so yeah. well, but you talk about the pain that suit has been reinforced yeah yeah I'll give you that um, yeah. then that also coming back to the new movie that was one of the other things that I had a problem with was he seemed to be taken down a lot easier than Batman really should be. Like, he, mm -hmm. he was in a lot more pain and stuff than... And he passed out twice. I mean, it's Batman, for crying out loud. Passed out? Yeah, from being, you know, either, you know, punched or, like, if there, there was one point where there was, um, like, a poison thing that got to him, and it's like, okay, I, the poison thing I can kind of understand, but if he's just in a fight, it's Batman. <laughs> well, Thor has been knocked out before, and the Hulk has been knocked out before. Everybody's got their. We we sound like the biggest geeks right now, and I just don't even care. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm loving it. I yeah, okay, I so don't even care. but here's the thing: Thor and Hulk were they knocked out by aliens or humans? Of course not humans. Yeah, please. That's the thing. Batman <laughs> was fighting humans, and he passed out twice. Like no, but he is a human. I He's yeah, not a I know, being. but I mean, and he, it's like you said, he was wearing the suit and everything. I don't yeah. know. There was just. There was just something about it that made me feel like the creators and the writers and the directors and everybody, everybody but Robert Pattinson, seemed to not care enough. That's that's where I feel with DC. It's almost like lazy writing. You know, when you read a book and they're like, how are they going to get out of this? And all of a sudden, this person they haven't seen in a hundred years just shows up out of nowhere to save the day. That's kind of lazy writing. Mm-hmm. Well, and one last thought about the Batman movie before we move on is I've discovered that there has not been a Catwoman in a Batman movie that I actually 100% like. Really? No. The closest huh. I can think of is Anne Hathaway, but even... I loved hers. Even, yeah, I loved hers. Even hers I have some issue with. I just, there has never been a Catwoman to me that feels like the role of Catwoman completely. I was hoping Kravitz would do it. A good job. She was fine. It, th th one of the things about the movie that people have to realize is that it is not in the same universe as the other Batmans. Like, it's not... It's supposed to be an alternative telling of the Batman tale. Like, it's still Gotham and everything, but it's not supposed to be... They took liberties, let's just put it that way. So they're stretching. They're yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like okay. I, I don't remember. Like I, sh I should have researched this, but I don't remember in the originals if how old Batman was because in this movie he's only like, you know, like twenty two years old or something like that. So this could be towards the beginning of his right, his, which is why I'm wondering. You know, Christian if, Bale's version was was quite a bit older. 
Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering if that's maybe why they didn't show so many uh, gadgets and stuff, because maybe he just doesn't have them yet. I don't know. Yeah, if, if he's supposed to be 22, because Christian Bale's uh, one of the worst, George Clooney, you know, they were grown men at that point. So maybe it's maybe that's why he didn't have all the gadgets. He's just starting his journey. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was 22, but I'm pretty sure it was in his 20s. I was trying to do the math while I was watching it, and I'm like, I, this is too much stuff in my brain. But because they mentioned how it had been, I want to say, like, only 20 years since his parents were killed, and he was a young kid. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was yeah. a little boy in that. Yeah, so. that happened. Well, anyway, that's our debate on Batman, which we agree to disagree. <laughs> with a little bit of marble thrown in. <laughs> so, uh, since we're going to basically be talking about TV and movies and stuff today, uh, you want to share your thoughts on the final season of Walking Dead? <sighs> um, I may or may not have missed Sunday's episode. Okay, so... I, I, I actually remembered Tuesday that it was Tuesday and that I had missed Sunday night's episode of The Walking Dead. But I will say this, the premiere of the second part of the three-part final season, whoo, that was some old-school Walking Dead right there. They brought back what I loved so much about The Walking Dead. Well, it was good. dynamic. I'm going to miss it so bad. I'm so sad. There's rumors abound there's rumors that andrew lincoln has been seen in uh georgia which was rick um there are rumors that there's going to be a daryl and carol spinoff there's rumors this one sounds weird to me rumors that there's going to be a maggie and negan spinoff wasn't negan the one that was played by the father from supernatural Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. I might like see i don't like funny i don't like zombie shows but him being in stuff makes me want to watch it for for people that don't know this i can see genevieve on my screen but she can't see me i wish y'all could have seen her face just now (laughs) when she said that when i when he came up my little sister's like no that's denny duquesne from uh gray's anatomy he's just a good actor i've seen him in so many things now he is a phenomenal actor because he is so convincing in every role he's in. I hated him in the beginning when he first came on to Walking Dead. I won't give any spoilers to anybody that might be catching up, but he's one of the villains. Yeah, well, we all know that just even based on the friggin' bat. I mean, I haven't watched a single episode of Walking Dead and I knew that. Well, just because of some things that happen, I don't want to discuss it. I'm sure everybody knows by now, but just there are people that I have turned people onto The Walking Dead late into the show, and now they're catching up, so I don't want to say anything, but yeah, I don't know about a Maggie and, and Negan spinoff. I won't watch that. I haven't watched Fear, The Walking Dead. I tried it, uh, but I didn't like it, and I'm not going to watch the teenage one because I can't relate anymore because I'm an old lady. I just but, I yeah, just can't I'm, do zombies. I just It's just oh, one, one quote-unquote paranormal, even though it's not really... Um, T- uh, creature topic whatever that I just can't do. Oh, I I'll get in these moods where we go to okay, what are we watching tonight? And I'm like, I'm in the mood for zombies, and he'll go looking for some kind of dystopian zombie type movie for me. And yeah, I love, and I don't obviously I don't believe that they can't exist, but I do believe in the World War Z, Z type thing, the virus that makes you go all like rabid. I do believe that can happen. 
So, wait a minute. Why do you not believe that they could exist? How can something that is dead walk around? You never know what could be. They can't exist. You, 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 but here's the thing. You're saying can't. Can't. Like, 100% can't. You don't know can't. that. You're not a scientist or anything can't. where it could happen someday. Excuse me, but <laughs> Dr. Jenner on The Walking Dead showed the x-ray of the brain that died and then started like firing synapses so i could tell you that i did see a scientist he might have been fictional but dr jenner yes i know all their characters and all their backstories and i am that one i have that i have the toys and the posters and i have all of that stuff okay so wait a minute if you don't think that zombies could happen do you think no. other supernatural beings could be real maybe I want them to. <laughs> I have an issue. You know, I love shifters. I write shifters. That's my my number one love. But I can't see how that could happen without destroying the human skin. Vampires, I've always kind of believed that they were out there. Well, now, that depends on what kind of shifter we're talking about, too. Right. It's just interesting to me. It's like you have two different brains. You have your writer brain, oh, yeah. and you have your 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 real brain has a lot of logic oh, in it. <laughs> once I get into that writer brain, too, everything can exist. I go insane. My husband sits and he'll just laugh at me because we'll be driving through Tennessee, and there's kudzu that's hanging from the trees, and all of a sudden I've got the storyline of this you know viral plant that's taking over the planet, and it just yeah. That's but, interesting. I, I want to pose this question to our listeners. Um, e- email us at our email. It's in the description. Um, but do you believe, that listeners out there, do you believe that supernatural beings could be real? Or do you only adhere to that belief while you're reading books or watching TV or whatever? I'd be curious to see what people answer to that. Did you know you could get early access to all the episodes of this podcast, an exclusive monthly episode, the ability to ask our guests questions, and so much more? All you have to do is visit patreon.com through the link in the show notes and support the show for as little as $2 per month. We'd love to have you as a patron. Okay, so still on the topic of TV, (laughs) I finished watching Teen Wolf. And? Uh, I loved it. Yeah? Up until the last season. Mm. Now, they had a lot of obstacles on the last season. The actor that played Styles got injured so he could barely be in the last season, which completely messed with the chemistry of the whole thing. Uh. They got canceled without any warning, so they had to sort of finish it enough to, you know, make everybody happy, which they did. I just felt like, and one of the really big problems I have with season six is people got together that really didn't need to get together. The chemistry. It's that whole, the 70s show when they, when they started putting Jackie with everybody. It was kind of like that. I mean, there was chemistry with the people that they put together. I just don't feel it was necessary. And it was kind of, especially who Scott ended up with, it kind of created this plot hole that I didn't really love. Well, Scott was with Boof in the, the movie, so yeah. I don't know. He's been with he he's with a lot of people in the TV show, but <laughs> <laughs> there's just something that happened with who who he was with before 
the person he was with at the end, without giving spoilers, kind of, there was kind of a hole there that I didn't really love. But there is a rumor about them making season seven. Yeah? Even so they canceled it? Yes. I'm hoping that if they do that, then that's going to make it up for season six. Because that it, as the rumor's been circulating, pretty much all of the actors have said, yeah, I'll definitely do it. So Styles oh. would be back. and So I'm hoping that they'll do that and they'll be able to continue the show in the same vein as before season six. Now, hopefully, that's that's the whole walk into thing when they stay, start taking off really good, you know, characters like when when Rick Grimes left and stuff. That's when everything went downhill. So if Styles had so much of the chemistry, it's probably what ruined that that last season. Yeah, yeah, and, and I understand he was injured; he couldn't do much because that he was at the time he was recording for Maze Runner and he got injured on that set. Oh, in real life? Yeah. He got injured on that set, so he wasn't able to be on season six very much. They showed him a couple of times, um, but it just, the chemistry just wasn't the same without him there. Man. Yeah, that's, that'll throw everything off. Yeah. So, hopefully season seven will happen, and if it does, you know for sure I'll say it on this podcast, and (laughs) I'll be watching it, and so... And then after Teen Wolf, I watched the first season of Fate the Winx Saga, which is, it's, it's called Fate, and it's called the Winx Saga. Um, so it is a magical school for fairies. Okay. It's good. I was not expecting it to be that good. I might have to check that out. There's, it's on Netflix. There's season one, season two has been announced. They just don't have an actual release date yet. Um, and it is, oh. it was really good. I mean, I was so surprised how good it was. Well, totally off topic of Supernatural stuff, but Bridgerton is coming back this month. I'm <laughs> oh, so excited. I'm so glad you were because I'm not. <laughs> what? I said, I'm glad you're excited because I'm not. Oh. I, I, just... I, I watched two seasons, two episodes of that and stopped. I quit. I, that is not even... Anything that I normally enjoy, I don't read that stuff, I don't watch that stuff, but I don't know. I guess it was that slow burn romance, just, oh, I love that stuff. Well, uh, in the same vein of things that I started but quit, Roswell. Yeah? I was bored, first of all. (laughs) I watched the whole first season, and I'm like, okay, it's gotta get better, it's gotta get better. Every episode, I was like, it's gotta get better. It didn't get better. If anything, it got worse, because... The only way I can think to describe it is it was a TV-friendly teenage porno. See, I tried Roswell when it first came out, and I didn't like it either. I just couldn't do it. I love... Teenage porno. I, it's, that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like, and I love things having to do with aliens for the most part. I am getting kind of sick of the whole evil alien wanting to kill everybody storyline, but this wasn't like that. It was just aliens trying to find where they came from and stuff, and that was that part was great. But the rest of it just, yeah, I was so bored. I, I couldn't do any, I couldn't do it, go any farther. You, you know why we have UFO sightings, but no captures, right? They, they drive past and they're like, nope, and lock the door yeah. and keep going. <laughs> so I've been trying to find what I'm going to watch next. And I tried um, Motherland Fort Salem, which is basically about witches that fight in the army. You still haven't watched The Witcher. No, I haven't. I won't. But we won't get into that. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> I, th- th- so many creatures. My mom and I tried. 
my mom and I tried Motherland's first episode last night, and yeah. oh my god, we were so freaking confused. It's like the first episode is starting middle story. Like, it's like act two of a book in the first episode. I was so confused. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, we we it took all we could to even get through one episode. We were like, no, we're gonna we're gonna see it through, but we're not gonna continue it. That one was. I think, I think it was Dunkirk. I can't remember, but I kept telling my husband, I'm like, is this a flashback? Is this a flash forward? Like, I couldn't figure out what was going on with that one. Yeah, I mean, I got the general idea on Motherland, but it's just yeah. there, like there was it's even terminology funny. and stuff that I had no idea what the hell they were saying. Right, right. So yeah, you don't want an info dump, but you do need to know what's going on. Right, right. So I was kind of deflated, you know, and like, no, I'm not finding anything good. And then this morning, while I was waiting for it to be time for us to record, I started Stargate Atlantis. And? You like it? So far, I'm loving it. Okay. Um, I love things having to do with Atlantis, so that was a selling point to begin with. And then there's wormholes and alien technology, and oh my god, it's so good so far. Yeah? Yeah, and I only watched one episode. So, I can't wait to see what else happens. Everybody keeps telling me to watch all these shows, I'm like, I'll put it on my list. (laughs) Yeah. I, I finish up my stuff around 8 o'clock and I go to bed. Well, I've been falling asleep around 9, 9.30 on the couch, but I go to bed at 10, so I've got two hours to watch things, so. I have a list, but it's kind of fast getting shorter because so many things are not good. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, one more thing before we get to the interview for the week. Uh, in episode three, you had a list of Paracons, yeah. and I have a couple more to add. So the first one is too short notice for this year, but I'm mentioning it because I'm hoping if they have it next year that I can attend it and hoping other people can as well. It is called the 90s Convention in Hartford, Connecticut on March 11th, 12th, and 13th. I might have to take a drive for that. Now. (laughs) That's my time. (laughs) It's 90s Convention, so you might not think it's supernatural, but... Several of the celebrities that are going to be there are from Supernatural shows in the 1990s. We had a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool... I mean, the 80s, but like Team Wolf and and we had all the cool stuff in the 90s. You kidding me? Yeah, so some of the Supernatural people that are going to be there are the complete cast of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, except for the voice of Salem, and I don't think Roxy is going to be there either. Wow. Um, But it's going to be Sabrina and the Ants and Morgan and Harvey, and I'm pretty sure even Josh is going to be there, so. Um, But then also Holly Marie Combs and Brian Krause from Charmed, which played uh, Piper and Leo. Christopher Lloyd, which is what makes me want to go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mara Wilson, who played Matilda. And even Kimberly J. Brown from the Disney Channel movie Halloween Town. That one I haven't seen. Oh, I love the Halloween Town movies, but I don't like the last one. And my best friend would disagree with this because I don't like it because it's a different actress and it kind of just screwed things up for me. Ah. Yeah. So, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on to see if they do that again next year because I will be finding a way to go. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be so fun. Yeah, definitely. And the other one I wanted to mention, um, is actually one that our guests for this week will be attending. 
It's called The Mass Paracon, and it takes place at the historically haunted Concord's Colonial Inn in Concord, Massachusetts. I had to read that and say it slow because I get tongue-tied wow. every time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from November 4th until November 6th. This one's a little bit different because there will be haunted tours, investigations, lectures, and other things. It's not just, um, like, actors and um, authors and stuff at tables. There's actually going to be involvement in it. Um, and the tickets range from general admission of $25 to the VIP all-access pass for two for $250. Um, and I, the website will be in the show notes for anybody interested in purchasing those. So do we know what the uh, all VI, the VIP all-access is going to include? So the VIP all-access for two is Friday night VIP bash, so it sounds like a party. Saturday event, Saturday night seance. Oh. Interesting. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it looks like the general admission is just to go around in the vendor tables. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that's all I had. Is there anything else you want to say? No, that's it for me. I want to... I want to talk to James. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you were not available when we recorded no, the I was not, interview. But, I mean, he's my buddy too. He, I met him at Silcon um, a few years ago, and we've been friends since. I actually was ghostwriting for him at one point, um, and I hated it, and and I had to stop. I don't like dealing with real demons. Mm. Writing fictional ones is one thing, but. But we're still, yeah, we're still real good friends. Well, maybe it's a good thing you didn't join us for the interview then, because there was yeah. there was quite a few spooky stories he had to tell. I um, know a few of them. <laughs> but we, we did mention you. We were sorry you couldn't join us, um, but you can listen to it now. Let's do this. All right. All right, we have with us James Anito. I apologize if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Um, and he is an ordained deacon, demonologist, paranormal investigator, and... A lot more. He's been in the paranormal field since the early age of 15 and has been in multiple radio and television shows. So thanks for joining me, James. Thank you for having me on tonight. So um, what I'd like to let allow you to do um, is just to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So yeah, you, you basically hit the nail on top of the head um, at the beginning, but to expound upon that, basically my name is James Anito. I um, a demonologist that specializes in demonology, which um, is defined by Duo Demonology, which is my group with Carl Johnson, and basically he is the originator of this definition. It is the study of the lore and cultural, tradition, cultural traditions of wicked spirits. Um, and basically that's what I specialize in because I've, I'm very fascinated in <coughs> um, um, demons, good and evil, theodicies, theology, um, which is the study of religion and God. And, uh, of course, um, you know, the paranormal, which I've, as you said, I've been an investigator since I was 15 years old. That makes me involved in the paranormal field for 16 years. Um, it's been, uh, you know, started off as a hobby and then eventually came to a vocation, something that I do for love uh, of what I currently do out, you know, I have a day job, so it doesn't pay my bills. You know, I don't make money doing it, but I just do it because I, I still have questions that need to be answered, but I also do it because I 
come across many people that have suffered and dealt with paranormal situations or psychological situations and I do my best to take my specialty, which um, is an accumulation of 16 years of study. And even beyond that, um, you know, I was very fascinated in Darwinism, biology, anthropology, a lot of the social sciences, science in general. And I take a lot of what I've um, I've gathered and gone to school for. You know, I I come through, I'm a jack of all trades. You know, I have a degree uh, in business management, a degree in computer science. Um, I I went to technical school for computers when I was was in in high school. So I I come from a various degree of uh, studies and beliefs and um, kind of vocations. But um, really the paranormal kind of... uh, tumbled upon me because of uh, my, my questions about God and I felt like eventually after watching Scooby-Doo and many other shows that fascinated the idea uh, of ghosts and the, the unknowns and mysteries I kind of got started getting involved in um, the umbrella of paranormal um, which is UFOlogy, cryptids and uh, ghost spirits and beyond um, and I thought maybe that could give me a better idea of what god was so uh but yeah um i i I am an ordained deacon um i also prior before going through catholic seminary was ordained in the church of christ i was a pastoral assistant and then became ordained um so yeah i I have a long lineage of different studies and um and i try to add that to how i investigate how i research and how i approach the paranormal that's great. It was um, very interesting to hear you say Scooby-Doo because that's what I grew up with as well. <laughs> it's a phenomenal show. You think about it. Everybody laughs when I bring it up, but it really is. Uh, of course, they really never truly came across something that was uh, the preternatural, unexplainable, because um, most of the time they were able to come up with what could be explained. But that doesn't that doesn't denote the fact that things can be unexplainable and not be uh, explained. So, but it's such a great show because it gave us the dynamics to how we be open. They were uh, thrusted into these situations, but they 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 at first were gullible to it and uh, had their imagination um, at, at ploy. But eventually, they were understood under able to understand the dynamics of why people would do such things and this happens um every day uh, especially with other investigators that might clarify qualify something paranormal but they don't know and understand something like parapsychology or deception or uh, attention and it, it, it's such a great television show um it really did lay the groundworks to uh, a lot of what how people debunk nowadays but people don't want to quote Scooby-Doo because it's Scooby-Doo, you know? It's not Ghost Hunters or uh, Ghost Adventures. It's, it's, it's a whole nother dynamic. Yeah, I don't think people uh, look too closely at Scooby-Doo either, and I believe they should because even just the group of them as a whole shows the different reactions that people can have to the supernatural because not one of them had the same reaction each time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, no, it's definitely, yeah, I, I definitely think more people should look at it. But, of course, it's a cartoon, so people uh, just add differently, you know. Um, and, unfortunately, that's that's a perspective for many. But, you know, for people that do understand uh, what the dynamics were uh, in that show, yeah, I think it helps, uh, especially um, 
you become a better investigator and researcher. I, again, I'm very intrigued by that answer. Um, don't think I've ever heard anybody use Scooby-Doo as an example. Of course not. I've only heard a few people, and it's surprising to me. So in your bio, it said that you're, you've been in the paranormal field since 15, but did mm-hmm. you were you interested in that stuff before that? Yeah, so um, I, I was, like I said, I, I basically had... Um, come across a situation in my life, uh, childhood trauma, you know, uh, where where I was then adopted by a, a Lutheran family that uh, are, you know, I quote unquote my grandparents, but technically not long story in itself, that could be its own show. But they, you know, they would go to church and um, I was of course told these stories of what occurred to me as a child. And I was like, very, um, very against it. I would maybe agnostic or atheist or hate it, hatred towards God. And um, basically, you know, um, theology was my my first perspective. But um, basically, when I was eight years old, because of how I am and uh, sometimes lethargic or questionable, you know, I question things so uh, so 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 much um, that you know my my aunt and uncle um, at the time, well, my aunt at the time, my uncle still. <laughs> But they went on a, on a trip to a bed and breakfast, and I could not remember where. I, I, I hate when I say they went to a bed and breakfast, but I cannot. Uh, I think it was down south near the North Carolina area. But they actually showed me, a, like, a picture where they felt like they were – and this is before, really, the idea of pareidolia, so to say. But, of course, you had William Mumler and all that stuff that de- deceived people uh, in spirit photography. But, you know, they, they, they kind of, like, showed me something that looked like a little boy – uh, looking out the, out the window. And why I say a little boy is because you can char- characteristically look at the window and say, okay, well, the, the guy is not taller than the window. Um, you know, it's smaller. So it looked like a little boy. It was very fascinating. I wish I still could see that photo to this day. Um, but, of course, they went through a divorce and so such and really don't talk to that side of the family. But, yeah, it's really what kind of interested me. That was kind of like the first catapult into the ghost phenomenon um like of course i always heard it you know you had hans Wolf or harry price who always was fascinating uh the warrens uh, uh even though they exploded more so um now in the late 2000s early 2000s but they were always a part of, uh, of kind of uh local pop culture pop culture with like james randy coming after them and them being on shows and how they exploded with certain different uh, investigations of course i heard these things but that was my first time then experiencing something that could have been paranormal i never dealt with an experience growing up and i'm kind of glad i didn't because it gives me an outsider's perspective um and i can understand of what a lot of people go through um and how it can correlate to uh something paranormal in their mind and it'd be still interesting and still fascinating how certain things can occur but i'm able to look at it in a different way and i think that it was helpful to me so you didn't go around getting in trouble as a teenager investigating stuff um yeah i did i did um i would say like i say like i said about 14 15 is when i started dabbling into actual investigating locations um you know i i started doing it uh more thoroughly when I was 18, 19, and then eventually founded my own group. But yeah, 15, 16, 14, even late 14, I would say on the cusp of my birthday is I started dabbling into locations I wasn't supposed to go to. 
Um, and you know, it wasn't in the sense that I don't, I don't tell people to go on private property that who what you do like be careful you know always ask permission you'd be surprised what permission can ask you you ask and sometimes you can receive but you know of course i was i, I was immature and um I, I didn't care what people thought even though i wasn't going there to deface or going to cemeteries to um to to knock down stones or anything like that um um, you know, I did go into places that I maybe shouldn't have gone to, but that definitely exploded my interest. And I, I, I definitely felt like I experienced things, but I look at it differently now because I was, I was very more gullible. You know, I wanted, even though I was questioning, I wanted to, wanted it to happen, and I was young. So of course, anything, any nook or cranny that occurred. Um, any any bump or any kind of like warping of the wood, something things I didn't really understand back then. Now that I do, um, you know, maybe I jumped to the conclusion that it was a spirit or a ghost communicating to me. But you know, so it's I really can't say what I dealt with when I investigated when I was a kid because I was more blinded than I am now. Right, that's understandable. Um, so you've traveled. A lot of places and helped a lot of people and I was wondering was there a a specific place you visited that you could label as the most interesting or the most exciting um so you know I've I've had the pleasure to travel the whole country basically there's a few states that I haven't gone to and that's not the boast to be egotistical that's you know uh, it it took time you know either, either doing events or investigations or helping people um you know i would say the most interesting place i've ever been to is and it's not to sound like a cliche for what everybody else says but i would definitely say it's still one of my favorite places is waverly hill sanatorium and then second would be old south pittsburgh hospital um i would say more so old south pittsburgh hospital um had the most activity with the most seen people experiences shared experiences activity that was uh, recorded and collected and of course a scratch appearing in somebody's neck uh, before many people's eyes um, I would say that would be more interesting but Waverly Hills just because of its um, just what its history is uh, the meaning of it um, and just how expansive that place is but I would say those are my top two places I'd have to go to but I think I'm going to be able to as long as this war in Ukraine uh, settles down which we all pray and hope for um, I am in uh, of course it's not announced so I don't care though I, I won't get in trouble but um, it was supposed to be in May it just got pushed in November I'm supposed to go to Romania to be an ambassador of a tour for Braun Castle Hotel Transylvania um, Vlad's Fortress um, so I think that's going to surpass, surpass everything I've ever done uh, to this day. Uh, but I cannot wait for that. I do hope it still happens. That sounds very interesting. I can see uh, why you're excited about it. Yeah, I'm quite ecstatic. And, uh, you know, it's. Um, I, I think that's definitely going to blow all everything that I've ever come across. Just historically, you know. Um, it's it, it started the Dracula legend, uh, Vlad Dracul and Vlad the Third, which is Vlad Depeche was, um, started all that. Bram Stoker was so fascinated by what he do would do to his victims, even though he's a national hero in Romania. Um, you know, he uh, what he did to his victims to protect his country, 
um, you know, is alone itself awesome, of course. But uh, of all the deaths that occurred, you know, it fascinates me to, to ex- say this. There probably will be experiences uh, or, or feelings or emotions or uh, or this stagnation because of the deaths that occurred, and there were very many. Will you be posting pictures on your Facebook when you go on that trip? Almost certainly will. Good, I'll be looking forward to them. That sanatorium that you just mentioned, is that the one where you were just announced as keynote speaker? No, so that would be St. Albans Sanatorium. That is basically uh, in Virginia. Uh, Waverly Hills is in Kentucky. Uh, near, I believe it's Louisville, Kentucky, or out the outskirts of it. But no, St. Albans um, is in Virginia. It is another great location. I've been there. There's a bowling alley inside. I've had I've had uh, experiences there, um, but I've only been there twice. And Waverly Hills was only twice, but I would have to say I had more experiences in Waverly. Uh, but St. St. Albans is a, is a place to go, especially if you're in the Northeast. Um, it's not something to scoff at. But yes, I was just announced. It's called EnigmaCons. Um, and uh, April 23rd, um, and we, uh, Carl Johnson and I of Duo Demonology, my partner in crime, um, are the keynote speakers for that event. Great. I hope it's a wonderful event. I hope so, too. All the money. What, what fascinates me most about it, and I, I love doing things, you know, like I said, once again, I don't really tend to make money on these things. I'll, you know, some things are covered most of the time um, because, you know, I, it, it, most people approach me. But... In that stanza, you know, all the money um, goes back to St. Albans, and I love helping things like that. You know, I'm I'm going to Michigan this weekend, um, out of my own dime, because it's uh, uh, my friend Tim Miley is running Portagrass for Pooches. It's a power fest, and all the money goes to animal rescues. And he, as as since he's been running it since 2012, he's run he's he's made up to seventy thousand dollars. Uh, and donations to animal rescues in the Michigan and Wisconsin area. So I love helping. Th- I love helping people that uh, put money for put money forth towards either restoration of historical places or towards good deeds. And uh, I, I try to jump on those as much as possible, or 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 am approached to speak at these locations or events because, um, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm one of the few people that talk about this topic. There are quite a few people, of course, but, um, you know, some people tend to respect my approach and my opinion or perspective of it um, more than others. But, of course, I'm not in it to be competitive or say I'm better than somebody else. But, um, you know, I just do my best to make the misconceptions go away and show that reality is there, but there could be things that you need to look forth um that you know my field tends to dabble in and you know i've come across these things and i feel that you are very easy to talk to as we've been speaking well i i definitely appreciate that you know i i wasn't always well spoken um you know but um you know once you grow older hopefully you learn from um, your past mistakes and you continue to learn and grow and um you know i i definitely I do always do my best to continue learning, um, continue bettering myself um, for the greater good. Because if I better myself, um, you know, hopefully I can spread that to um, others, and that helps better themselves as well. And you also recently had um, part—you participated in a TV show called The Haunting. Do you want to tell people a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so um, it was all haunting, but because the haunting did exist, that uh, it was on an animal planet. Um, but yeah, I, I don't tend to do television, but I, w- I was approached by, um, of course, the Chudleys and uh, Sam Baltrusis, um, uh, who's the producer for the show. Um, and they felt like my expertise, the Chudleys thought my expertise would be helpful uh, in their predicament. And so, yeah, um, I don't necessarily agree with the, the whole uh, outlook of the show. And it's not against the Chudleys or nothing. I won't speak ill will. It was a great great production a very well done show but it was called the devil's doll and it was based upon um this doll lily may who they think um and i don't believe it was is demonic i think there could be negative emotion and uh, kind of feng shui attached to it but um it was definitely affecting mary joe was making her obsessive uh and um you know i of course instructed them to uh, build a box um, if, because she did not want to get rid of it. And very apparent through the show um, that she did not want to get rid of this doll. And I said, okay, well, if you're not going to get rid of this doll, I'm not going to not help you, but you can do this if you're willing to do this. Then, you know, this is better than do, uh, not doing nothing uh, any or doing nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I helped them construct the box. I made my way out there. I did a binding of the, the doll uh, within the con- con- containment Um and uh yeah there was a rigorous process on how to make the box it wasn't they just uh popped the box together they had to permeate the whole uh uh wood with holy oil for up to uh you know 48 hours uh within the sun so that it baked into the the enamel of the wood um they had to put salt around the doll inside they had you know put metals blessed metals that i sent them um, so there was there was a there's a process to this box, and they made the box, and that was, and that's something that was important for them because if they made it, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into making this a realization that this is something they need to do. Now I wish that Mary Joe got rid of the doll, but I, you can only lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse kind of drink kind of analogy. So you know that's what the show is basically about. I was in it for five seconds, so I guess I received my five seconds fame for the numerous times, but. Um, and the moral of the story is I'm glad I was able to help the Chinese, um, and that's what the most important thing to me was. But, you know, for my child, um, my five-year-old son, Caleb, I found, I found it more empowering because he always, you know, he always sees Carl on television, and he calls him Uncle Carl. Um, and Carl has, has a, a huge amount of shows, you know, being on the first two seasons of Ghost Hunters, um, and then A Haunting, The Haunting, and so on and so on. So, you know, Caleb always asked, where's daddy? And I really did more, more of this uh, kind of show for my son to see me on television and him to be proud of me. I always already know he's proud of me, but for him to, and he, and he watched the show, mind you, and he, he's like, every time I came up, he's like, daddy! <laughs> so like, to me, that was a uh, piece to my heart. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing to experience that your kids being proud of you and seeing you on TV and things like that. Oh, of course, and you know it's my it's my it's my life mission to to strive to be the best for him myself. Um, so he 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 knows that anything you put your mind to, you can accomplish it. And I I think I I think I do good justice on that for him. And um, you know maybe he'll follow my footsteps one day. I hope he doesn't. Um, but he's already so enamored into it, um, and he's been to a lot of historical places because of what I do, and I think he will. And but you know, the good thing about it is, is I'm not impervious to anything. You know, I'm not untouchable, but I can do my best to 
give him the guidelines and thought patterns to do his best to uh, kind of pervade uh, the away from any dangers that could occur. You know, but they're always they're always the, quite the possibility of it. It's not unknown. You're dealing with people. Um, yeah, no, it's it definitely put a smile on my face for him to be proud of me. Well, admittedly, I tried to watch it, but I have a very big problem with anything that has to do with dolls, so I couldn't continue. <laughs> so, well, yeah, understandable. Is there any other television appearances or even radio shows that you that you have coming up that maybe I can catch? Um, no television shows. Uh, I had a five-second appearance on Finding Bigfoot many, many years ago. Um, if you're interested in Bigfoot, uh, it was called. It's uh, you know we call it Big Roadie. But um, that was fascinating. I had a lot of Bigfoot experience. But, no, nothing coming up on television-wise. Like I said, I do a lot more background consulting um, than anything because it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not in it to have my face plastered all over the television media. It's already plastered on social media and events and stuff like that. But um, I, I'm not saying anything bad for people that want to be on television. It's just not my thing. Uh, I'm not in it for that. Uh, I'm not in it to make it a, a career. Um, you know, I love what I do during my day job. And no, so nothing in that, but for radio shows, I too many to name. I, I'm, I'm usually booked once a week on a, on a radio program um, every month, once a week probably, if not twice a week. And then for events, March and April, and then so on and so on. Like all of my March is booked, uh, two weeks of April's booked, I'll be away. Um, so, you know, just have to follow social media platforms to, to see where I'm going to be or how, where I'm going to speak at on a, on a radio program or podcast. Great. Well, I will definitely keep an eye out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like a, it's a litany of them, though. But I enjoy doing them. I never, I never, I never, like, being on tonight with you, uh, like, I, I, I always love speaking to somebody new. And sometimes it's the same person over and over again, of course. But, you know, it's always interesting to have conversation uh, and, and to pick each other's minds. Well, I'm definitely new because you're only my fifth guest on the podcast. Well, I'm honored to be on your show. Was there ever a time that you your help was requested and you got there and discovered that it was a joke or just... A, you know, like a publicity stunt or anything like that, where you really weren't needed. Oh uh, yeah, the, it happens more often than uh, than not, to be honest and unfortunate. But um, you know, even those people, there's something wrong, or um, there's a dynamic. But yeah, they're they're they're. I can't really talk about it because I really don't want to give it any more credence. It kind of still lingers. I think they finally come overcome it. But there was a case in Pennsylvania that I did that it was over and over everybody was going there and you know i i felt and this is in my youth a little bit more so but i felt like i could be the person that uh could help them um but then i also dealt with this 45 to 50 year old woman um that uh said that she was dealing with uh the circumstance and you know of course uh, we never i necessarily already had a bad feeling about it i usually get a good gut feeling about a lot of these a lot of these cases, um, maybe call it discernment, I believe is what I, I would have than any other clear ability. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely felt something was already off. Maybe there was a tension seeking because I do an interview process and my interview process tends to give red flags off or, or already. And, you know, um, if you've dealt with enough people, you definitely know what to look at, even though everybody's different. But 
Uh, a lot of commonalities and stories tend to be the same uh, when it comes to attention seekers. And, um, you know, so we weren't going to stay the night because the, the, the woman was a little eccentric and, you know, I didn't want to wake up with her sleeping in bed with me or whatever. Like, um, and so I felt uncomfortable staying. So we set up cameras and we didn't tell her where we set up cameras. Uh, of course, it wasn't in like any private spots, like in the bathroom or something like that. But we, we hit cameras. And of course, we told her that we, we were recording. And, you know, one of the spots that she had was in this hallway. And uh, one of the claims was that the there would be impressions in the sheetrock, like punch marks or uh, these impressions, and like she would have to repaint and patch it every so often. I I think it was probably almost on a weekly basis, at least once a week, that this would occur to her by her claim. And um, on the camera, we of course we hit it uh, good enough where she wasn't able to see it, and we caught her uh, throwing her shoulder. I um, mean, her elbow right into the uh, right into the wall, making an impression herself. And I don't think she was under any influence. She she clearly looked at it, clearly made sure that it was uh, like uh, enough to see, deem it worthy of like a, a paranormal clause. And we never uh, confronted her about this because sometimes that could do worse, especially if it's a psychological issue. We don't want to confront her, and her, she goes on a psycho, uh, like a psychosis issue, and like t- does something crazy. Um, so we just we, we the revelation happened when we were reviewing the video, and uh, we quickly just said, you know, uh, I don't think we are able to help you. I, we apologize, and um, yeah, we left it at that. But yeah, she, that was one of the cases that I always look upon. Uh, because it's a 45 to 50 year old woman, mind you, and it's not like a spring chicken. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it's to me still always eye opening, something I talk about in my lectures when the, the question's asked, because uh, to catch it and to see and, and, and to be kind of like, oh my God, like somebody would go to the lengths of doing so. But yeah, the, unfortunately, a lot of my cases are, are us, are, are the psychological or the parapsychological aspect. Or, or even attention, um, uh, they're very far in bet- uh, between uh, where maybe it is demonic or even a spirit, a negative spirit. Sometimes when people lose people, um, um, they tend to uh, go into this place where their imagination comes keen and these little knocks and bumps and the house settling and their pipes rattling, um, they tend to think is... Um, Something, somebody of their loved ones getting in touch with them and unfortunately a lot of the times it's not but it does occur and I don't want to um, definitely uh, say it doesn't occur but I have to say that now that I look at it like maybe like I say to a lot of people my perspective of it 10 years ago um, a couple of years ago might have been different but I, I, I have a case files in my um, my desk um, my, my bureau and I'm a bureau my um file cabinet and um and i tend to look back at these cases and the interviews and the case files and sometimes i'm able to go back and say well i think maybe now look at it in this way was that um or i have to review this in new light of new things discovered um but yeah a lot of them tend to be uh, of human origin um more than uh, some supernatural origin have you ever had any lingering effects or issues after a case? Yeah, one time, I would say more than anything. Like, of course, there's always 
um, kind of counter-transference, which is like you, you bring on the person's emotions that you're dealing with. Um, and that tends to occur sometimes, mostly my er- in my early sense, because, you know, I felt like I had to help everybody. Um, and like, I would be upset if I couldn't help them or if they were going through this and I would take it upon myself. So there's some form of you take emotions on with you. Um, and it's, it help, it happens less now. And I don't even tend to get aggregated when I can't, um, speak to th- some people. Um, because you know, I just, I, I've been able to swallow that pill now, but there was one time, um, it was on a, it was actually shot for a YouTube series, um, at the time for, uh, G4, uh, not G4 TV, G's as a, a gaming channel, but, uh, Ghost Tales Network, GTV. And, um, you know, it was called The House That Speaks. It was a local case in East Providence. And the dynamic of that, the household, like, that, a lot of it had to deal with the occurrences within the family members of the household, um, that kind of spiked this activity. But I definitely think there was a true, um, negative activity there. Not necessarily demonic, but, definitely negative and it definitely uh, fed off of their uh, their negative uh, relationships in their household and I definitely was at that mentality this was very young in my time of doing this and I thought it was untouchable uh, that my my crap didn't stink and uh, you know I would go in this thinking that I'd get it would be one and done um, and nothing like I said touched me and that was widely wrong you know i don't like to throw the world word attachment around too much i think it does happen but once again i think the only attachments linger because we we focus on it too much and we kind of uh subconsciously want it to to linger by communicating to it um but this is one time that i would say i had and my maybe my one and only time that i had an attachment where after this case i had a progressive amount of I don't believe in luck, but a progressive amount of bad luck in other people's eyes where, you know, I had a job, lost my job, had an apartment, lost my apartment, had money in the bank, uh, suddenly went negative. I had a car, my car broke down. um, My girlfriend left me. Um, So repetitive things kept occurring and even after every single time it happened you know i didn't jump to the conclusion of the paranormal i said oh well uh you know this is this is how my life was in the past i just have to deal with it and truck on but you know being in this field multiple mediums um that did not know each other some did some did not um i think it was up to 10 different people that approached me um, and said very something very similar, something lurching on your shoulder, this dark force. Um, did you deal with the case and let your guard down? And they kept saying that. And eventually it kind of came to me like, oh, well, maybe maybe I did get something. And, and after that um, sort of realization, uh, within a week, if not a day, I got a call back from um, the client of that house that um, I, I believe I got this attachment from saying it's back. We need your help. And I don't tend to deal with things if I'm under weather or not in the right mindset, but I said, okay, this could be my, this could be like my Eureka moment. This could be, I was working with Joseph Andrade. He was a fellow demonologist that ran Nightbreed Paranormal with a shaman named Paul Davis. And I was a part of their group as a fellow demonologist. And I said, I said, and we had worked on this case previously. And I said, Joe, um, let's do this case. I'll meet you there. 
do a deliverance over me um, outside of the property. Uh, I sat in their driveway in a chair, and the deliverance was done on me. On me. As soon as that deliverance was done, I felt very much different, and I felt like a light had come over me. Um, and we went into that case. I, I went in there uh, with a different perspective, a different mindset. I feel like a piece of humble pie was served to me, and uh, um, I definitely. And we believe. I did I do believe we helped that family. Of course, things started to occur again afterwards because of their family dynamic, not listening to the kind of like the medicine or prescription we gave them to follow. Um, but you know, but then, but we were able to for a period of time uh, help that family. And after that, you know, my life one eighty again and started going positive. So I look at that and say, okay, I definitely think that was something of a, a spiritual affliction uh, because it's based upon my ego. And sometimes we need that as individuals. Sometimes when we we, we think that nobody's better than us uh, or there's, there's somebody not smarter than us, we come across that individual. And, uh, you know, I think I came across that. Now I have a different perspective on how to approach life, how I, uh, how I approach myself you know i don't ever try to compete with anybody like i said but uh, like i basically uh try to better myself if somebody's better than me i don't compete with them and try to be better than them i just become better than myself and um and we have to do that on a daily basis learn something new um and explore who we are and that was the case that definitely um changed me as an individual for sure so now my uh co-host was supposed to join us tonight um unfortunately she had a family emergency but she did send me some questions she wanted me to ask you so her first question was what was your most emotionally taxing experience my emotionally taxing experience oof um i'd have to say maybe in that case um what i just explained but i would say let's be honest here i would say that the case that really um kind of brought me in was my first demonic possession case it, 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 I really didn't believe in demons um, at, at that point because I had never come across it and I'm kind of a seed to believe a kind of individual um, very analytical in, in, in approach um, even though at, like I said at the beginning a little bit more gullible but I still try to look at the grander picture of things and my the first demonic possession case that I dealt with um, uh, experiencing this being brought in by a psychologist, which usually I tend to bring in uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social scientist, um, and um, you know, bring again be brought in by an individual of such caliber, um, kind of, uh, kind of put me at a place. But um, it was the, the the ramifications that happened afterwards in that case that all the individuals in that case. Um, kind of went against each other um they were emotionally scarred i wasn't necessarily i was more i think it did more to my faith like empowered my faith more than anything than this disabling it or but it was the ramifications after that really that was emotionally taxing to me because these people that i loved and cared about and thought respected me and i respected back that uh we turned against each other and they started uh smashing smearing my name in, in the mud not too long afterwards and that was uh, very, very uh, emotionally taxing um, and then a second case uh, would be a, another case uh, but it wasn't demonic possession it was demonic infestation um, where I had this prolific nightmare 
and usually I don't dream have nightmares. I, 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 I'm not, you know, I have imagination. Like I'm very innovative. Like I, 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 I have an innovative mind. Like I think of something, um, and I, I kind of pull the trigger, but like, I don't tend to dream or have a nightmare. And this is one of the times that it, it, it was so eye opening because it was a case that I was working, um, that was uh, towards Western Massachusetts. And it was a family of uh, five, two, uh, husband and wife and three children. And um, I had never seen the individual faces, never seen the location of their house. Even though I had the address, I never Googled Earth it or mapped it. Um, I just knew it took this long of a time to get there. Um, and basically had little pictures of their arms with scars and stuff like that. But um, the week of the case, I... Um, had I would believe it, I had on Sunday or Saturday, and I was supposed to go there Saturday of the following week. And I had this nightmare where, and if I if if I if I did not like gore, then maybe I would probably have woken up and, and vomited. But I had this nightmare where I drove to the location uh, in Western Massachusetts. I kind of basically unraveled, uh, you know, the, what the house looked like, what the neighborhood looked like seeing the family uh, to like the dimples to the children to the acne uh, to the, the the pores of their skin to the hair color um, the what they were wearing what was in their house uh, what the surroundings were like and uh, they, I interviewed them like I would tend to do I do a three phase interview um, and you know uh, I do it through phone I do it online and I do it in person um, and if for other people that don't know why, it's because I want to trip them up. I want to see that your stories change. Um, and if their stories change, then of course there's a red flag that happens and you kind of have to uh, kind of focus on that. But so yeah, I sat down and instead of helping them, I killed every single one of them, even the children. I, I, I It was brutal. It was like watching the movie Seven uh, or uh, imagine what a serial killer does to some of their victims. I, I mutilated uh, this family. And I woke up out of panic um, and, and fright. I didn't, of course, I, I, uh, have any expulsion of like any vomit or anything like that because I'm not weak to the uh, to the stomach like that. But it was startling. Uh, it was very emotional, taxing to me. Um, but I did go to that. It was. It didn't divert. I think there was a diversion, and that I think it was trying to whatever was there in my eyes was a demon, um, and uh, was trying to divert my attention from it by scaring me. But of course, I am a moron, and uh, um, I went there anyway. And um, I did not um, kill the family. Of course, I would be probably in prison right now and not having this conversation with you. <laughs> but I, I, I did help the family. Um, it was very, actually, very easy, and they took a lot of my advice um, to heart, and they were able to overcome their situations because they took that. And it was basically a one and doneer. You know, it, it, I was able to help his family. They they had a little occurrences afterwards, but they were able to just be spoken to and overcome uh, that situation. But yeah, no, like being there, getting there, um, and what's more fascinating about the nightmare is um, the nightmare was a clear uh, portrayal of what every single one of these children looked like, the adults, the neighborhood, the house, the details of the house inside to certain ornaments or uh, religious artifacts or 
mirrors on the wall, bed, bed locations. It was it was to the hundred percent T of my nightmare. Um, and what the, even the craziest thing is, they were wearing the same thing um, that my nightmare showed. Um, you know, and that was even more startling. So every time I saw this, every time it kept unraveling like an onion, peeling the onion. Um, it, it startled me. Like, it, you know, the fight or flight mentality came into my perception. Like, uh, and like, do I leave this place now? Like, and kind of that thought pattern. Like, do I stay here? Do I kill them? Kind of, kind of thing. But you had, I had to shake that off. Being there, I couldn't show my fear to this family, so I had to shake it off. Like, yeah, Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off" wasn't back on that. I probably would have played that, <laughs> but um, but yeah, seriously, like, it, it definitely was emotionally taxing on me because. Um, just experiencing that nightmare and then experiencing it uh, per T of that nightmare, uh, I would say was probably the most eye-opening thing I've ever come across in my life. Who knows, maybe you were meant to have the nightmares so that you became more invested in helping them. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's quite a possibility, but I think that was it was a diversion technique. I think um, a lot of demons um, or negative spirits, uh, if they can somehow meld into your mentality, Mostly the demons are able to do that because, of course, um, they have different laws uh, than what maybe human spirit did that were, was once earthly and corporeal. Is that, um, you know, demons uh, tend to uh, distract you to try to keep you away from uh, preying on this family because their their intent is to be... Uh, 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 to to molest the family, to to deceive the family, to manipulate the family, and anybody that comes into it and is there, even for a little bit of inkling of help, um, they want to uh, deceive and um, diver diverge those individuals because they don't they don't want to be messed with. They don't want to to, to for their prey to 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 lack in. Um, they, so I think it was more so of that i thought they thought that or it thought it could uh persuade me into not going but like i said i i'm i get my mind set on something i do it so um unfortunately dealt with the wrong person that day and um it, it, it did not scare me like it did not scare me away it did of course frighten me of course because i think it would frighten anybody um, but yeah, it, it definitely, maybe it did, like you said, empowered me to go even more now. Did, and did it take you a while to kind of, I don't want to say forget, but to move on from that nightmare and, and go back to sleep? Oh, no, no, that's the truth. Like I said, my sleep patterns didn't change after that nightmare. Like I didn't get a post-traumatic stress disorder from that nightmare. Like it, it, it's something that lingers. Like I'm a very forgetful person when it comes to names or like certain other things like i i have to write everything in a calendar i i ha that's my lifestyle i'm a squirrel i'm squirrely and um so but the to remember the little all the little details of that nightmare to this day um just shows you how 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 well it stuck with me um but no i, I didn't i didn't affect my sleep patterns after that as soon as i left that case uh, like I said, the case was very successful. Like, um, my intervention was very successful. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's what kept me at ease. Maybe if it continued, maybe it would have uh, kind of equated stressors to my life. But thankfully, it did not. Good. So, um, my co-host 
told me I have to ask you about a specific house that you visited, which I'm very interested to hear this story. She called it the cat pee house. Mm, <laughs> yes. This was another attention uh, case that um, that is prolific to me as well, is that um, this was one of my first cases with Carl Johnson um, about 10 years, a little over 10 years, maybe 11 years ago now. Um, because the one thing, before Carl and I had dual demonology, um, I was actually his tech manager of a group called Beyond the Veil Paranormal. Um, because like I said, I have a technical background. So, you know, of course, uh, the nuances of DVRs and equipment uh, uh, was my bread and butters. I still have a, a keen ability of what, what certain equipments do and why they might be giving off false positives. But I was his tech manager. And one of our first cases together, residential cases together, was this, uh, I believe it somewhere in Massachusetts. I, t- I tend to forget where he would know. He, he's the walking encyclopedia. But uh, he uh, basically, we went to this case, the three of us, it was Dina Palazzini, who was the co-founder, um, him, Carl, the co- other co-founder, myself uh, as the tech manager. And we went to this house. Um, they're, 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 of course, uh, thought pattern of what they were dealing with was a demon because they were smelling this uh, sulfuric smell. Um, they were having uh, these uh, it's a rage, uh, these illusions, like these visions of like these spirits or things uh, affecting their lives. And you know, I'm like I said, I'm very investigative. Like I'm, I'm not nosy, but I feel if you like go to somebody's house, you should see how they live. Um, if they don't tell you they take medications, but you see a, a, a plethora of pill bottles uh, in their cabinet, um, you try to look at these things because you know you want to get the grander picture of what's going on. What what what's the cause and effect of why this is occurring? And usually there is always a cause and effect. But um, so you know while Carl and Dina were sitting down with the client talking to them. Um, and mind you, we have all our stuff on the couches. We're sitting on their furniture, and but you know I'm peeking around. And mind you, I did sit on their furniture uh, before I started peeking around. But I came across this one room, and I opened it, and you know, I, of all of a sudden I heard like purring or meowing, and I I came across like eleven cats, mind you, and which is an illegal limit. In, uh, in in Massachusetts, I do believe. I think you can only have a, a couple, um, but you're close to a dozen cats. And um, it finally came to my mind after seeing 11 cats that the smell they were smelling and we were smelling was in fact ammonia from cat piss. And um, all the f- items that we brought were on this furniture, on their rug, um, on their couch, I sat on the couch. Carl, Dina sat on the couch, and we were sitting in cat piss the whole time. And um, no wonder why they were dealing with illusions and um, having the smell, and um, you know they were having fits of rage because uh, you know over uh, an over abundance of ammonia is very uh, impairing to your health. And so um, yeah, I, I brought this attention to Carl and Dina and. Um, you know, we kind of didn't make a big deal of it, but we basically uh, kind of said, yeah, I don't, uh, we're going to leave. I, we don't think that you're dealing with anything paranormal just from being here. Um, and we basically just walked out and left on a merry way. Uh, but, you know, 
guys. Maybe they, that they didn't put two and two together. Maybe um, they didn't realize like their their living dirty could cause something like this. Um, and I think that's what I equated more to than anything more than being attention seekers. I really think they thought they were dealing with things. And maybe maybe after time, in their reality, they were. And maybe they were project, projecting, maybe like a, a poltergeist or uh, a psychokinetic force. But we went, we didn't stay long enough to figure that out because it was an unhealthy environment for us. And we didn't want to become part of the shared hallucination. I'm glad you guys got out of there when you did. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah. No, I, I, I still, I still can't believe um, that that case. Ah, oh, jeez, it's it, it's something Carl and I talk about frequently because you know it's uh, a lot of people uh, d- don't believe that there are other possibilities and uh, something like that uh, definitely shows that there is. So if the ammonia was causing hallucinations, could it possibly cause them to be afraid of having an issue with paranormal? Or do you think it was just because they were having the hallucinations that they thought they had a problem? That's a good question. Um, I definitely think that it was uh, the hallucinations that they would think that was causing the problem. Sorry, restate that question. I think I... Uh, fumbled in my uh, my thought miss up that question no problem i was just wondering if the ammonia from the cat pee would cause them like would heighten their fear of of having a paranormal issue or if it was yes. just because they were having hallucinations i think both i i think they of course um if i remember correctly watched paranormal shows um so of course that's how they found out about carl because they of course saw carl on television but um, you know, I think that it was a mixture. I think that, you know, it, it heightened um, their paranormal fears, but it, it, the, the ammonia also created hallucinations that for them, that they jumped that to, that this was paranormal because they didn't understand how they, what, what these hallucinations were. And it's like people and a psychedelic experience, um, you know, a lot of the uh, tribal uh, tribes, the shaman, shamanistic tribes or African tribes do this, like, African tribes do like psilocybin while, um, you know, uh, shamanic tribes do like, uh, cactus, like, um, um, I forgot one of the names, uh, San Jose and, uh, the other one that they do, uh, uh, peyote. And, you know, that brings you on like a trip and is it a spiritual trip or is it a hallucinative trip? And that hallucinative trip makes it feel like it's spiritual. So it's in that same context. Like, you really can't know for them it's real and for others that are in that shared hallucination because if you all take psilocybin in a room together you're going to have a shared hallucination um and 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 you can all become a part of that reality uh, even though it's not really happening so i think that was like a mixture of uh both their heightened fear of the paranormal but also the hallucination. So it was, it, it was definitely interesting, but we definitely didn't feel like there was nothing there, um, you know, and even though we were there no more than an hour, um, I think sometimes that's all you need to know uh, within a location to uh, figure out the cause and effect. And like I said, it could have, it could have, uh, if that was their reality for so long, that hallucination could have, eventually maybe created like something like a thought form or a topo or whatever um 
but in that same context uh, as long as those people live in that kind of lifestyle and that kind of reality uh, if that is what it is you can't change that unless they change themselves to change the way they live and uh, you know um, these people didn't seem like they were able to or willing to because for one they were already already having an illegal amount of cats so that shows you their unwillingness to to follow follow protocol okay so you've mentioned a couple of names already but uh in your bio you mentioned that you've worked with multiple people in the paranormal field and i was curious who would you say is the most notable in your mind Oof. um that's a that's a good question um Who's the most notable? Like Carl Johnson, I think is the legend, and you know I'm biased because I work with him. Um, but I would have to say, uh, I'd have to say the, the two people beside Carl that I respect um, that have been able to, uh, maybe three people um, that have been able to work with is uh, Tony Spera, John Zaffis, and Ralph Sarchi. Um, and why I say Ralph Sarchi, John Zathis, and Tony Spear is, well, Tony Spear is the son-in-law of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I've had the pleasure to be to the, go to the museum. I've even had the pleasure to uh, bless the museum and Annabelle and, uh, like, uh, be there for that and uh, for uh, Warner Brothers' visit. Um, John Zathis, I, you know, have had the pleasure to pick his mind, meet, talk to him at conventions, sit down and have coffee with him. Um you know, uh, pick his brain. Even I, I did a case for a museum that they brought an item in um, in the Cape Cod area where they, they brought this item in and every, then everybody started experiencing things. And uh, I was called in to deal with this item. And I don't take items in. I don't I don't hold items. I, I don't believe in, in, in doing so. It's not my forte. I don't have a, a shed outside that I could put these items in like, Ed and Lorraine did, or Tony can, or John Zaffis can. So I, you know, worked with John on that. I got all the proper documentation to transfer from the museum, um, and then gave him that item. So one of the items that I've gotten from the museum went to John Zaffis's museum, uh, and then Ralph Sarchi. Why? While he's prolific, and he is a, he's definitely an interesting guy and very straightforward in his approach. But why I would say he's interesting is because he's, out of all these other people, besides Edwin Lorraine Warren, he's the only other guy that really has ever had a movie based upon him called Deliver Us From Evil, which was based off his book, Beware the Night. Um, and Eric Bana played him. And I think it's a fantastic movie and a fantastic book. So meeting Ralph, which wasn't at first uh, a nice encounter because uh, I'm very eclectic. Even though I'm Christian, I, I believe that anybody does good. They can believe whatever they want. And I, I used to run one of the largest ministries in the country um, called the Dominion Ministry. And um, you know, I, I had witches, Buddhists, uh, rabbis, Islamic leaders. I, I had uh, different all kinds of eclectic people, different paranormal investigation teams over the, around the country that affiliated with us. Um, it was expansive. So I was at this event one time, and um, he came across uh, Mandy Brown, who was uh, who was a high priestess or was a high priestess, and um, you know I used to make business cards for everybody, and I used to put their symbol of their faith on their uh, their business cards, and he had sort of the pent- pentacle, the pentagram, um, and uh, he, he kind of flipped out because 
he did not realize that it is a Christian symbol too, you know, meaning the five wounds of Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, he went lethargic on me and started kind of, well, he was kind of like crazy because he thought I was promoting something that he didn't believe in, which kind of was, but I don't, I don't promote things that do bad things either. And, uh, but a year later, you know, I, I, checked, I kept t- t- making attempts to reach out to him saying, hey, man, I think you got the wrong idea of me. I'm not this bad person, you know, and other people were telling him this. And he eventually reached out to me. And we, we, you know, we don't really talk much more anymore because he moved from New York to Florida and there's a distance. And there are theological differences. And Ralph and I, when we do talk, um, sometimes we do get into it. And it's more, you know, it's never a bad thing. It's more out of love. But, you know, just to work with him, pick his brain. He worked with uh, Father Malachi Marin, Bishop McKenna, Evan Lorraine. Uh, he works with some of the greats like these other people have. And, you know, I really respect him. I love him to death. And, you know, we became very good friends after that. We went to his house in New York. Uh, you know, we got lunch together, had coffee together uh, numerous times. Um, so I would say those three people beside Carl are, especially in the field of immunology uh, or, or connected to it. Um, I've had the pleasure to, and they're all amazing individuals and, and they do their things differently than maybe I do. But yeah, I would say, I would say like, I always remember the moments that I had with them and maybe we'll continue to have with them to this day. And, you know, of course, Tony, um, I had the pleasure to speak at the very first Secrets of the Supernatural Warrens Paracon this past October, um, in, in, uh, Connecticut. And that was a great honor. Um, you know, being one of the few demonologists that had Keith, Carl, and myself, and we spoke together. And, uh, and then also Carl and I spoke together um, on Saturday, and Keith, Carl, and I spoke together on Sunday. And to be the only three demonologists there, uh, based upon an event that one of the most prolific demonologists of our time, Ed Warren, even though maybe I don't necessarily agree with everything he uh, kind of talked about, um, but still, to be one of those individuals, like it, 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 it was very grandiose. It, it, you know, over two thousand people came to this event. Uh, like it, so, I, I'm thankful to, for my friendships and my rapport I have with these individuals. Sounds like you've worked with some great people. Definitely, and uh, people that uh, everybody should listen to and learn from, even though even though they might not agree. Sometimes you just need to swallow the pill. And, and, and hear what they have to say and then come with up with your own opinion off of it. But, you know, even a great debate team looks at both perspectives. One might be on the other side, but uh, somebody that's uh, uh, countering knows both, both avenues of the debate, but they're just on the other side because that's what side they were chosen to be picked on. And the other, you know, other side that's defending, they, of course, know the counter uh, argument to it. Um, and know a lot of the facts or theories uh, based upon it, but you know their 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 mission is to defend this argument and use what evidence they have uh, in defense. So you know you always need to understand that you know I know some people don't like to hear other people's perspectives um, because it's not it's against their viewpoints, but sometimes you just need to. Sometimes it just makes you a better individual um, and a better investigator researcher. Um, an altogether better person. Well, that was basically all of my questions. Um, so I understand that you are on a podcast yourself. If you want to tell people a bit more about that, 
Yeah, so I have two podcasts. Uh, one that just came out on the 27th, uh, which is called True Evil. It is actually a podcast with uh, myself being a demonologist and uh, Laura Brand, uh, who is a criminologist, a uh, criminal profiler, who is also the toolbox killers expert, um, which is Bitteker and Norris. Um, and uh, she's the expert. She had a documentary on Peacock come out. Uh, she has a, a master's in psychology. Uh, and we do a true evil show where we talk about the paranormal and true crime and how it can affect each other or how there's differences. And our first show was with Jeff Bellinger, Carl Johnson, and show Mark Carlson. Um, and then who Jalise and Carl are both the members of Duo. Jalise uh, is a historian. Um, and also Carl's partner in Panorama Paranormal. Uh, but we have our next show is uh, March 13th, and we're going to have Arnie Johnson on from the Devil Maybe Do It, Devil slash Devil in Connecticut case. He was the one that was afflicted and murdered the individual supposed under influence of a demon. Um, and we're going to have him on with uh, current Nesper director, Tony Sparrow. Um, my other show is with Carl Johnson and Lisa Jo Marco Carlson, called, just simply called Dual Demonology, based upon her name. And um, it, it's multi, now it's mostly a monthly show, and so is Intrigue. It's a monthly show, it's once a month. But uh, Dual Demonology talks about demons and the perspectives of it. And we have dabbled into spirit photography and other things um, that maybe people will utilize to collect data. Uh, in uh, a demonic case but yeah we we try to encompass everything that has to deal with uh demonology and geology and and, and times the the great grander perspective of the paranormal uh one of our shows was alien alien abduction versus demonic possession so we tend to kind of like push the envelope and uh, talk about things that will expand your mind um and a lot of it of course is hypothetical because a lot of the paranormal is it's a hypothesis that people come up with and we just throw different theories and ideas out there for people to hopefully tackle it in a different way or look at it in a different way because it might create that eureka moment of okay this is what it is maybe it wasn't that because i thought it was so yeah so those are both my shows and uh, i hope people listen to it you can like i said true evil or dual demonology d-a-e M-O-N-O-L-O-G-I-E, the old way of saying it that was uh, kind of created by King James when he wrote the book Demonology. And those are available anywhere where podcasts are available? Uh, so yes, uh, Do Demonology is only uh, able to be found on YouTube or Facebook, while True Evil is able to be found on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the litany of them that are out there, yes. Oh, great. I'll check them both out. And I will include links to all of them in the show notes for anybody that wants to check them out as well. Please do. Thank you. Um, and, you know, of course, I hopefully, um, you know, your, li- your listeners listen and continue listening to your show. This has been a fantastic time. You've had some amazing questions that I've definitely have enjoyed this. I really hope uh, maybe your season two uh, or however you uh, factor your show um, I, that you have me back on again. Well, we'll definitely keep you in mind. Thank you. Now, one last thing. Um, Usually my guests have to answer a question about whether they've had any paranormal experiences, but obviously you have. So I was wondering if there was a personal experience that you wanted to mention. Um, Yeah, so uh, I would say 
had a personal experience that, um, you know, not to be too gaudy and preachy because that's not what I am about. Um, you know, I, I, I speak, I try to speak facts and truth and motivators, but, um, so I used to, like I said, I used to be anti-religious, anti-God or more, more questionable, I should say. And, um, I was in the military, I was in the army. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, people in the military tend to do when they're in basic training um, is they to get away from the barracks on Sunday to clean throughout the whole day. You get away for an hour or so to go to service. And, you know, I used to go to every kind of service, you know, Baptist service, gospel service, Buddhist service. Uh, I even went to the temple one time, uh, Catholic service, Church of Christ service. Um, but it was that Church of Christ service that I went to that changed me in my belief of God and changed me as an individual. Um, and it was that, um, and I, I think this probably was like the, maybe the sixth, uh, tenth in of going to service and maybe it was the stress factors, but I don't necessarily think so is that I was sitting in the pews. I was starting to wander away. You know, you're really not supposed to sleep because there are drill sergeants that watch you, but they can't yell in service. They'll get in trouble. And, uh, you know, I started nodding off and, um, they, this is a day where they were uh, offering baptisms and, you know, of course the pastor, cause this was the church of Christ, this pastor, um, came up with, um, this statement who or more so question, I guess, but who would like to be baptized today? And, and not even jokingly, like I felt this. Uh, perception change like this white light come over me like this jolt of energy and without even knowing I did it I raised my arm to be baptized and I got baptized that day and it was and I've been baptized before I was a kid of course I was, uh, was uh, Roman Catholic baptized as Roman Catholic and then I like I said switched to Lutheran forcefully due, my, due to my uh, grandparents who adopted me but, um, you know, I raised my hand, got baptized, and um, started reading the Bible after that and started praying and started um, believing in that there is something that uh, is beyond our understanding and what people call God or, uh, or a higher power or supreme being. And I would say that was a personal experience um, that kind of really put me on this journey, I would sort of say, on the demonology factor um, and, uh, and helping individuals. Um, but... Yeah, that was a personal experience that I had in the military um, that I feel like truly God uh, kind of intervened in my life and put me on a new leaf uh, and kind of gave me this this route. And, my, and, and to give you the moral of the story, not to end it, is that I went through um, uh, a dark depression because I was medically discharged out of the military almost a year later um and mind you that i wanted to serve my country for 20 years i wanted to retire uh have my pension because i had people in my family that were uh military one my step-grandfather was lieutenant colonel my other grandfather uh had served in three different th three different branches um my grandmother my maternal grandmother uh, was one of the first Navy officers, a lady, a woman Navy officers in the war, uh, in the country. 
So I had like a long lineage that I felt like I failed when I got medically discharged. So, but it put me in depression. But you know, in that depression, uh, it made me focus on my faith um, and made me realize, um, you know, God didn't want me to do something stupid because earlier in my life, I did try to commit suicide, um, and you know, and um, you know, I felt like if I was that same person. I might have not been able to talk to you tonight. And I feel like that was uh, an integral part of uh, a change in my life. So yeah, that's a personal story that kind of equates, uh, kind of connects to the paranormal or, or God in general. But yeah, I definitely, that's an experience that's ever changed me. And now, as you can tell, um, ordained in two different Christian denominations. So it definitely made an impact on my life. Well, that's a wonderful story, and I'm glad you were put on that path so you could do all the great things that you do, and you could be here to talk to me today. Yes, thank you, and I appreciated talking to you tonight, and thank you. I, like I said, once again, not to beat the dead horse, but I, I really great, uh, I'm grateful that you had me on as we picked the episode, and I really had a great time. And I had a blast talking with James, and I want to thank him again for being our guest. James, I'm so sorry I wasn't there with you, but you are brilliant, as always. Awesome interview, guys. Thank you for uh, suggesting that he be a guest, Lynn. Of course. (laughs) The shifter world was turned upside down when Nova joined Big River Pack and mated with the Alpha. It set off a chain of events that exposed many enemies of their kind. Big River Pack thought humans would be their undoing, but they come to realize the fight comes from within. Saving lives or saving hearts, they've made it their mission to protect everyone who needs it. In this five-book series, you'll find action, adventure, humor, and of course, love. Pick up the box set on Amazon today and discover how true love can be found even in the heat of battle. Big River Pack by Lynn Howard. All right, well, that wraps it up for episode five. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking to Becky Castillo. Is that how she pronounces it? Yes. Okay. Uh The coordinator of Silcon, and we're going to talk about the convention, her work as an intuitive life coach, and a lot more. Um, It's going to be an interesting interview. Yeah, I can't wait. I love Becky. I absolutely love Becky. I can't wait to talk to her in depth. Well, I guess that's it. See you next time, guys. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Let's Get Mystical. This podcast was hosted by Genevieve Scholl and Lynn Howard and produced by Genevieve Scholl. If you'd like to contact the hostesses, you can do so by emailing letsgetmysticalpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.